Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, January 14th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that wants to congratulate Claude Giroux on yet another All-Star Game selection. Yeah, it's cool for him. I, I covered the one, I've covered a lot of them, but the one in Ottawa, Ottawa, he was a real rock star there. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, he was. It's always good when they're in their hometown. And uh, also Cam Atkinson is in the last man in vote. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can go vote for him there. There we go. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about last night's heartbreaker of a game against the Boston Bruins. We're going to look ahead to this weekend's matchup against the New York Rangers. And we're going to wrap up with some Team USA and talk a little gritty. Locked on Flyers is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ. So, you know, it was it was a tough loss, I think, for a couple of reasons. Uh, The first of which was that, you know, hopes were high in terms of the emotion of this game and the significance of this game. And I want to talk about, you know, some of the things the players did, but I also want to talk about Mike Yo's choices as well, because I think they had a definite impact on this game. I agree. So we had talked on yesterday's show about putting Morgan Frost on the fourth line Mike Yo did mention earlier in the day yesterday that he might get some time in other positions, moved up a little bit, you know, if there was an opportunity to do so. So it was kind of good to hear that there was an intention there. Um, we also talked about the defensive pairings and uh, they wound up getting switched up mid game a little bit. Uh, with Provy and Braun yes. and York and Sandheim paired up for the latter half of the game, which I think was actually better in the long run. It was. I, you know, when I, when I did the now, uh, I mentioned that Mike Yo did push some right buttons, and and that was one of them. Was was changing that up. Also, he, you know, he, he did manage to get Keith Yandel off the power play by doing five forwards. It didn't work, but at least he was off the power play. <laughs> Yeah, I love the five forward option. Honestly, if you're on a five on three in a, in a perfect well. situation, you might as well do it. You just yeah. have to have somebody who can handle the point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the issue here with the Flyers is they did what they always do on those five on threes and are too far back and don't tighten up and, and force the Bruins to make a mistake and, and get better shots. It's true. They they were creeping in, but too slow. They didn't have that much time. Exactly. And he also uh, did the early goalie pull, which I thought was a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had possession for like the last 348 of the game, but mm-hmm. 
Tukarask was up to the task. I, I don't want to start rhyming here. It just happened. I mean, obviously, you can't say that a lot of what he did worked, but I thought that most of what Mike Yo decided to do were really good options, I think. The only one I questioned was putting McEwen out there in the waning seconds of the game. Like, what is that going to do for you? You know, again, if you're waiting for Zach McEwen to score, seeing how he didn't score tonight is how it usually goes for him. I know. That post was brutal. (laughs) It was brutal. I mean, it's just... But that's how it usually goes for him. I had seen games with him before where it's sort of tantalizing, you know, he gets there, can't bury it. So, you know, it is what it is at this point. All right. Well, before we get to some more of maybe some of the weaknesses of the Flyers game, I want to talk about the broadcast a little bit, just to, you know, have a little break in talking about the team itself, because, mm-hmm. man, that was one of the worst broadcast hockey games I have seen in a long time. Boucher and, and AJ did a great job with mm-hmm. the play-by-play and the and the color. They're not the issue. It's the director that I would like to fire into the sun. Not only did they have the dreaded overhead shot, oh. which A, makes me physically ill, but B, you can't read the numbers, so you don't know what's happening out there. You, you don't well. see anything. It's like in video games when they used to have like a Madden, the blimp view. It's almost like that. Yeah. That is absolutely what it was. And they would have extended periods of time with the behind the net angle, which wasn't the worst. But it also, I think most of us as hockey fans or observers have trained our brains and our eyes to work in a certain way with a traditional television broadcast. And when you change that, it just makes it very difficult for your brain to catch up with what's happening. Yeah, I mean... Here's the one thing I would like to point out to ESPN. I know you always want to try and reinvent the wheel and revolutionize something that you're covering. But if you can't find the puck, it's not fun watching hockey. The first period for the Flyers was not fun, regardless of the camera (laughs) angles. They came out to a terrible start. took nine minutes to get a shot on goal. They also had an 11-minute span uh, approximately between shots. Uh, I think... Uh, between the first and second period, which luckily they did turn it around, but that was rough. It was rough, and, you know, we talked about uh, David Pasternak owning the Flyers, and he still does. And I think they were stunned early on, and then they did regroup. And and I have to say, you know, Atkinson and Farabee had a little bit of magic tonight at times, which was good. Not many other guys did, though, and it took Giroux literally until late in the third period to kind of sort of look like himself. So I give him a break because, you know, again, you can't expect people to magically come off the COVID list and be fine. Provorov actually played a good game. So that was a a good positive too. But, you know, this was one where they needed a big break. They didn't need dumb penalties. Dumb penalties and bad special teams really hurt them in this one. Yes, and especially that Max Willman penalty. It was just devastating because they just gotten the momentum back, scoring a goal to tie it, and then having to go on the PK right away is not what the Flyers needed. Well, we'll see if he gets in the Mike Yo doghouse now. If this doesn't put him in, he will never be in. 
Well, uh, on the upside, though, with special teams, they did get a power play goal, and it was an g- excellent redirect from Cam. It was. It was. But I, I'm more talking about later with, like, the five-on-three and then the mm-hmm. five-on-four. And, man, they couldn't even get the handle on the puck. Like, they, no. they, they there was nothing. It was total disruption. It was, and I think they really just were not able to keep up with what the Bruins were doing. Yeah. That they just weren't in motion enough and they weren't passing the puck quickly enough to get around what the Bruins were doing defensively. I'm going to say something that might surprise Flyers fans, but maybe it won't. But um, what was also happening was with the Bruins' penalty kill at those points in the game – they had guys there that were much stronger than anybody Philly had on the ice. Stronger on their skates, stronger with the puck, stronger to get the puck around, the, whip it around the ends. Like, Philly couldn't do anything about it. And, and these guys were out muscling them. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you're spot on there. I think, you know, the other thing for me was that the Tukarask situation was just another element where it just felt like he was dialed in and played really well and thwarted the Flyers when they got that energy and momentum later in the game. He was dialed in. Um, I have to say, though, the look on Chukarask's face, that was like a mid-season look, man, and he hasn't even been playing. I know. I know. He had that scowl on already. It was good. I give him credit for that. Oh, you have to. You really have to, because I think, you know, the Bruins were having some problems and he absolutely bailed them out. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned to you. It's not like they're a perfect team, but they've got all these games in hand and they got Rask back. And that's what makes them tough to chase. The um, And look, and we should talk about Carter Hart. He was really good. There wasn't a lot he could do in this game. I think there were a couple times maybe he was um, almost lost the puck and, and almost went in the net, but it didn't. But there were some times where he was just making saves that probably they didn't deserve to make as far as the Flyers because they were just sort of leaving him out there. So it's a really good game for him. It's a shame it got wasted. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think, you know, Carter Hart was a really good element of, of this game for the Flyers. And I don't know if we'll see him on Saturday against the Rangers or Jones. I'm guessing Jones. Just but at this point, who knows? If it were me, I I would it would put it in him. They need points. They do. Well, uh, we'll see if he'll be in the lineup next <laughs> game or not, and we'll get to that New York Rangers team coming up in a little bit. But we gotta talk about built bars because it's the new year. It's time for New Year's resolutions, and if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure built bar is a part of your plan. Built bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and honestly, it's probably better than a candy bar. It makes it so easy to stick to your resolution. They taste so good, unlike other protein bars, which sometimes can be chalky or taste a little chemically. Uh, you want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring all the time. But Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, reach for something that's healthy 
and tastes incredible. Your typical Built Bar has 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have so many great flavors to choose from. It's coconut almond or pita butter brownie, cookies and cream, mint brownie. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com to see what's new. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like we were just talking about, up next is the New York Rangers. And right now, as of recording, they're sixth overall in the league, points percentage-wise. Their last 10 are 5-4-1. and one. Uh, They played the Sharks last night, but it was a late game because it was out west. So we don't know the results of that game right now. On Monday, they did lose to the Los Angeles Kings 3-1. to one. But before that one against the Ducks, they lost to Vegas and Edmonton, but then beat Tampa. So who knows with this team? It's really, they they had their moments. They're, I, I believe the formula to beat them is really just taking it to them in the corners and trying to get to the puck first. And if you're able to do that, it really does derail some of the um, skill and finesse that they have on, on offense. Uh, for this game... It looks like the Rangers' bottom pair, you know, their bottom six is going to be really uh, affected. And so that may be a way for the Flyers to match up and and try and take advantage. I think that's what I would do. Uh, maybe Mike Gill will do that. So those, those are a couple of ways that could make this a winnable game now. And to be honest, they do have to win it. I mean... They do. They really... If they, you know... They need the two points. So they've got to devise a game plan here to kind of really combat them. And to me, if that means changing the lineup a little bit, then that's what they should do. We are stuck with Keith Yandel, I am sure. Oh, yeah. There's no there's no question. Uh, the Rangers do have a couple of people out on their COVID list, most notably uh, Lafreniere. And uh, Ryan Reeves and Barkley Goudreau were on the list. They might be eligible to return for the Flyers game, but that's TBD. Yeah. Uh, Gautier is probably still going to be out on Saturday. So yeah. um, a little bit affected, but not a huge list on that side of things. Yeah, and the Rangers brought up Braden Schneider, one of their top draft picks. Uh, he played against the Flyers in the um, in the prospects game during camp uh, a few months ago, and you know he looked pretty good. He's the kind of guy that plays very physical though, and I don't know if his strength has improved since the summer. Uh, we'll see, but if he can play that physical game and really hold on to it, that does present a problem because he um, he can be crushing in the corners while being a very good skater and offensively gifted too so you know we'll see i'm not sure this is his time but you know what the one thing about covid is if you're a prospect guy like me you're getting to see a lot of them (laughs) yeah you know on the other end of things of course you have 
that top line, uh, most notably with Kreider and Zabinajad, also Capo Caco on there. But I think Zabinajad. So you fell one. into it too. Sam Rosen has gotten the entire world to say Capo Caco. Like every, like he says it no matter what, every time, his full name. And it just seems like the rest of the world now does that all the time. Like we'll just never use just his last name. It's there just are some funny. guys that that happens with, and he is yeah. definitely one of them. He is. Here's a big thing. Like Zabanajad, you can't do a lot about, right? Like, you could, if right. the puck gets especially against him, the Flyers. Yeah, especially against the Flyers. But it's kind of like Giroux. If you can get Giroux going in a game with that shot, he could be very devastating. Same with Zabanajad. He's got a devastating shot. But Chris Kreider, for the last two years, has really owned the crease and anywhere around the net. And that's where he's scoring most of his goals. That's where, you know, somebody is going to have to step up, whether it's Provorov, whoever it is, whoever's off protocol, but is going to have to try and out-physical him in front of the net, especially on the power play. Because you know they're going to get some power plays. Like, I can't even say, don't give the Rangers any power plays. It doesn't matter. It's going to be like a a 13-year-old boy listening to his dad. He's not going to listen. That top power play unit that they have is absolutely stellar with Kreider, Strom, Panarin, Zabinajad, and Fox. I mean, oof. Yeah, and Adam Fox is one that really doesn't make mistakes. So he's a guy that continually has the puck, is continually moving it around and looking to advance it offensively and make plays. He gets back on defense. He could, you know, all of a sudden look like he's out of a play and come back and make a play defensively. So you do have to all of a sudden also be very aware of him as far as like turnovers and having him like be ready for mm-hmm. that. Exactly, exactly. The other thing I want to mention is uh, because Lafreniere is out, they moved Philip Hedl up to that second line with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin. And Philip Hedl has had tremendous success against the Flyers. Yeah, it's interesting. He, like personally, I wouldn't have picked him where the Rangers did. But uh, I know what they were looking at. And he does have a lot of tools. And he's yet to put them all together. But he is a big guy, and if he does get going, he has a good shot, and he's pretty strong. So it you have to kind of derail him early in the game because if he's got a mm-hmm. lot of confidence early in the game, then he really can hurt you. If you could take him out of the game early, then most of the time he's not going to hurt you. Strom, Strom's just having a year. Like I have to say this about him. He, he's a really good guy. I always liked him when he was on the Islanders. Um I thought last year he got a lot of points because of Panarin. Now I'm not so sure this year because he's getting a lot of points just overall. And he's helping the youngsters. So he is a dangerous guy to watch. Some of his passes are really good. And that's what they have to look out for. Exactly. Exactly. So I think you know, similarly to this game we just talked about against the Bruins, it's a situation where you really just have to take care of those top two lines. And then the depth, I think, for the Rangers just isn't there on the forward side. Yeah, I think right now uh, it's compromised. And so you're right. They are going to play their top two lines a lot. But I do think there is a path here and you've got to sort of push it. And hopefully they, you know, the Flyers will do a lot of video work because that's what, what it's going to take. I should mention, because of COVID and various things, uh, the Rangers have Johnny Brodzinski mm-hmm. on their fourth line right now, who's the brother of Flyers prospect Bryce Brodzinski, which we recently talked about in our prospect profile. 
Yeah, that's kind of cool. I I always like that kind of stuff. I like the brother connection, even if they don't play a long time. But just just the fact that they're playing against each other in a game, I always like the fact that it causes complete mayhem for the family on who to root for and all of that. I hope it happens someday with these brothers. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, their Rangers' top four defensemen are are a tough opponent with Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren on that top pairing and of course Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba on the second pair. Yeah Fox and Lindgren are just really slick and just make the plays. Truba and Miller that's the the physical side of it where Truba can really be very physical and Miller sometimes but will be probably as the season goes on he's looking a little stronger now. So yeah bottom pairing that's where you can get them and if you're at home that's what you have to exploit. Any predictions for this one? I predict pain. Oh no, Russ. <laughs> well, listen, it was from Rocky. What do you want me to do? It's, <laughs> I had to do it. No prediction. Yeah. I, I do want to mention as a, as a side note, just as somebody who lives in New York City, uh, there was you know some small progress being made on potentially moving the Rangers home mm-hmm. uh, uptown about 15 blocks to the west side and man it'll be very weird to have madison square garden in completely different spot in this city well i mean you know msg has been moved before so this isn't you know that's not a big thing but um away from the train station though i know the issue that's the issue james dolan was warned about this years ago that this could happen and this was supposed to be the year well actually next year 23 24 next year is when the lease runs out yeah that's when the lease runs out because but the idea is they also did a study and it would cost $8 billion to move. So I think just because of that, they're safe right now. But I don't know if they're safe forever. Me personally, I would hate it because it's so convenient and it's also just a staple in the city. Like it would be weird. But again, MSG did a good job. There was a whole thing on the garden once. And believe it or not, like the first Madison Square Garden was open air. Like, there's just been so many different Madison Square Gardens. It's crazy. There was an Art Deco one. I mean, it's pretty cool because you don't have to be a Ranger fan to like the garden, right? There's so many different reasons you would go. So, yeah, I always enjoyed it. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so we learned yesterday officially what the roster for the men's U.S. Olympic hockey team was going to look like. And I think there were a couple of surprises. It did get spoiled early by uh, Chris Peters and Frank Saravelli. So yep. good jo- good job on their part. It so we didn't have to sit through uh, 45 minutes of ESPN football coverage to get to <laughs> the roster. True. But, but uh, two Flyers connections on the list, the first of which is Noah Cates, 
who is a Flyers prospect who currently plays at Minnesota Duluth. We've talked about him on the show. Yep. Uh, and we talked about the fact that he might make the list. So it was good to see that come to fruition. Yeah, he deserves it. And he could be a pretty good player for them. I think they'll play him up the middle based on the other guys they have. So, yeah, that's a good that that was a good one. And then the other one is Phantoms goaltender Pat Nagel. Who is 34 years old. Like oh, compared, What an honor, just, though, for him. It's a great thing. He's never going to play. But it's almost like he's the chaperone, isn't it? Yeah, he is definitely the team dad, I think. <laughs> because if you look at the overall roster, you have 15 NCAA players, five from the KHL, which if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, I suggest you go back and listen to it. We had a long discussion about the KHL shutdown and how it could potentially affect this roster or, you know, who might have to drop out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a couple of European players and then two AHL players. So very college heavy on this team. Yeah, a couple of missteps here, though. I mean, there's no reason Bobby Ryan shouldn't be on this roster. Like, he really should be. I, I, I understand they want to go fast, and they're hoping to do that. I, I look at this team, and, I you know, I see speed. I mean, Sean Farrell's really fast. Aversees yes. has good speed. Agostino, even though he can't ever finish, has great speed. There's there's terrific speed. Beneers here. I mean, the defense is really good. The yes. defense is going to be the strong part of the team. And and actually, Drew Hellison was an interesting choice. Uh, I always liked David Warsawski, by the way. He never could catch on fully in the NHL, but but has a lot of different tools, mostly offensive. So so that'll help him, too. But And, and Perbix is pretty good. The only thing is, is you knew that there was going to be some extra Minnesota guys, and especially Minnesota State, based on the coaching staff. Um but if I have to play this team against the Russians who will be like half NHLers, I don't know how they're going to fare. I don't think this team will win a gold medal. I'll predict you that right now. Yeah, I think you're right about the blue line, though, that I'm interested yes. to see a lot of these guys just from a showcase perspective and see what maybe they could do against everybody except Russia. <laughs> I especially like Brock Faber and Jake Sanderson. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. both of them are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Stephen Camper was an interesting one. Like we've seen him on like fifteen teams in right. the NHL. Like I, I don't know. I, I just have to believe there was a better choice than Stephen Camper out there. But you know that's fine. I mean, they had to get who they had to get. But you're right. Sanderson, Faber, Hellison, Worsowski. Those are all really good ones. Jackson Lacombe's a guy I like a lot. But when I looked at his numbers this year, uh, he he's not having the greatest year. So I could see why maybe he didn't make it. So, yeah, it'll be the strength of the team. Uh, I do think they have some good offense. I don't know if it's enough offense. So other than Pat Nagel, how do you feel about the goaltending? So the goaltending, I think Camesso's the guy. Yeah. Uh, he would have been a guy in the World Juniors. He's he's very good and workmanlike. And if you have a system in front of him, he'll be fine. He's just not like, you know, super acrobatic. Don't expect him to be Mike Richter, you know, like that kind of thing and and Strauss man will give him a run for his money because he um he's a little older and he's playing overseas having a heck of a year and just didn't get a pro contract so this could help him get a pro contract could be yeah i was interested in this Strauss man selection just because playing in 
the Swedish league, it's a little bit closer to the feel of international hockey. And he could use that to his advantage. And he knows some guys, on, you know, the Michigan guys. So, so that's an interesting thing, too. Um, we also should note that Brendan Brisson is the son of Pat Brisson, the super agent. But he's a really good player. Like, that's – I'm excited for him. Uh, he may be the fourth-line center, but I'm still excited for him. But the goaltending's decent. And, and that's where that could be an equalizer for him with the goaltending and the defense if they could hold on to the puck. That will absolutely be the key. All right. Well, we have only one thing on our list for Gritty Thing of the Week, but it is a good one. So I will take it. And this was an appearance by Gritty on Jeopardy. Now, Gritty didn't show up in a video or anything, but Gritty was the question or who is gritty was the question i guess (laughs) Uh, to the clue it me this philadelphia flyers mascot who noted not all heroes wear pants and gritty is absolutely known to not wear pants i mean same with donald duck and a lot of other uh characters in the past but no it's cool that it's cool that gritty got on there um do we know uh did they get did everybody get it right? Did only one get it right? I haven't seen the It video. wasn't the final answer. It wasn't. It was just, oh, okay. it was just in the regular run of play. So. Got it. Because I'm really off of Jeopardy. I, I haven't watched Jeopardy in a long time. R.I.P. Alex Trebek. Yeah. Trebek. Alex Trebek. That's how he always <laughs> used to say it. By the way, he was another one who was Canadian that fooled me for like at least 20 years. I had really? no idea. Yeah. I, and his accent, I guess, was there a little bit, but I just didn't watch enough to, to be able to pick it up. But there's all these Canadians that just that are here that you sometimes don't know. Shatner's the one that fooled me for my whole childhood. Interesting. All right. That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again on Monday. Of course, we're going to talk about the Flyers versus Rangers game. And then we have a back-to-back against the New York Islanders. So it's going to be a hell of a week coming up. And uh, we'll also name our nemesis of next week, which I think is probably the Islanders. So let's be real. Yeah. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.